Today's episode is brought to you by Force of Nature. I've been using Force of Nature in my home for over three years. While my initial motivation was to find something extremely inexpensive to use because I was cleaning up after two toddlers all the time, I was surprised to know that out of over 62,000 chemicals approved for use in the US, only 300 have actually been tested for safety. And researchers estimate that 5% of childhood cancer and 30% of childhood asthma are related to chemical exposures. So why would I want my children touching anything cleaned with anything other than force of nature and it's so easy to use they've recently launched a brand new sustainable collection they now have a super saver bundle you can save up to 30% off with the code summer stay 30 all the way through August and don't forget click on the link in our show notes for all the information on force of nature as well as more ways to save Hi everyone, it's Monica with two Monicas and a microphone. Yeah, just me again doing all the interviews. I titled this episode Megan Kirk Taking Her Show on the Road because she really is taking her cabaret show on the road all the way to New York City. She's going to be performing at Don't Tell Mamas on Saturday, August 28th at 5 p.m. If you're in New York City, don't miss A Song for You starring Megan Kirk. I'm so excited for her and I'm sure it will be a blast. Friends, we have Megan here again today and she has a really interesting job, I would say. It's something that I only thought happened in movies. What do you call yourself? Well, I, I'm a flight attendant, but I work in corporate aviation. It's basically private planes. When I moved to LA, well, I didn't have a job when I first got there, right? Okay. And I was determined to get a job in a restaurant because I wanted to be an actress. And so I spent about the first three months I was there racking up credit card debt and trying to find a job. And everybody wants a job as a waitress in LA. It was really, really challenging. And before I had left, my uncle said, my friend Rick Platt lives in Beverly Hills. Call him. He will help you get a job. And I said, oh, that. thank you so much, Eric, but I'm going to do this on my own. I got this. I got this. So I get to LA thinking I'm going to get this job on my own. Spent three months racking up debt and, you know, getting turned down. So finally, I said, I'm going to call Rick Platt. Okay. So I call Rick Platt. And Rick's like, meet me at Spago Beverly Hills in an hour. So I meet him at Spago Beverly Hills. We sit down for lunch and he's like, Wolfgang, Wolfgang Puck. Okay. This is Megan. Give her a job. And now oh, that's Rick, a nice person to know. A little background on Rick. So Rick, during that time, was a metal salesman. He went on to create Skyzone. Rick is really? the man that conceptualized it and created it. Oh, that's cool. Like literally from nothing. Wow. No one had ever thought about a trampoline gym. But anyway, he's from St. Louis. That explains why they're here. So anyway, Rick says, Wolfgang, give Megan a job. And Rick, Rick's a character. So he was just like, Wolfgang's like, ah, oh, you want a job? Yeah. Call my brother Klaus. <laughs> so I called his brother Klaus. And Klaus was opening a restaurant in Hollywood, like right in the center of Hollywood. And so I called Klaus. And he said, you're hired. And wow. I said, great. Awesome. So now I have a job. Great. And I loved it. It was the best job ever. We had so much fun. Klaus had worked in Chicago and he hired all Midwestern people. Okay. He said, because those are the best workers. And so it was a bunch of girls, Minnesota, Chicago, St. Oh, Louis. That be- and we had such a good time. I made friends with this girl, Lori, who I'm still friends with today. Love her to death. Her brother was a pilot on a Hawker, which is a smaller private plane. And he worked for Peterson Aviation. And he got put in charge of hiring the flight attendant. So we were out one night, mm-hmm. yucking it up, drinking cocktails, having a good time. And Rick was like, do you girls want to be flight attendants? And Lori was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. And I was like, I'll do it. He's like, okay, call me Monday. So I called him Monday. Mm-hmm. 
and I went and met his boss. Didn't have any flying experience. I didn't even know this career existed. No clue. But I'd been working for Wolfgang for about five years at that time. Okay. So I had a lot of experience with celebrities. Like we worked the Oscars. I'd go into celebrities' homes. So I had a lot of experience with fine dining and working with whatever high profile sure. contact. Different industry, but same clientele. Yes, different industries, same clientele, but I also had a lot of passion for food and wine and service. Wolfgang Puck is just the greatest in the world, that whole company, and they really train you well. They really get you excited about service. So I really had a passion for that. So I get hired. They threw me on an airplane with the owner of the Dodgers. My first flight was flying 10 people to Arizona. Had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I literally used all of my acting skills. I just pressed buttons. I was like, <laughs> plug some shades. I just acted like I knew what I was doing. And everybody believed me. I'm not a doctor, so, but I played it on TV. Exactly. So all of my acting training came in very handy on that. One of the things I love about Megan and the stories that she's told about her life is that she has talked herself into a job now, not once, but twice. Fake it till you make it, girl, and you certainly have. And then I met this girl in training a couple months later. It's a very hard career to break into. So I had had my first flight, which okay. is great. I had that under my belt. And I was doing some training or something, and I met this girl, Angela, and I asked her if I could take her out to lunch mm -hmm. to kind of learn from her. And then she, a couple weeks later, couldn't do a trip, and she gave it to me. So I ended up working this trip, and the owner asked me if I wanted to work full time for him and for that company. He was a big real estate person in mm -hmm. LA. So that was my first full time job. And that airplane sold to two brothers from Israel. And they, I came with the airplane. I was going to say, did you just I came with the airplane? <laughs> well, it's funny. They had like a trial period. Right. So then I worked on that airplane for five years, which was so incredible. We had a, a female captain. Mm -hmm. Her name's Jara, and she and I are just, we're still really good friends. And so it was like tra traveling the world with my best friend. Oh, that's so fun. And this client did a lot of business in Central America and South America and Mexico. So we were all over that part of the world for about five years. That's incredible. And it was really fun. Yeah, it was great. So I did that up until he sold his airplane in 2013. And at that time, I was falling out of love with LA. Mm -hmm. I loved LA, but I fell out of love with it because it would take me an hour to go two miles. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I cannot do I, this. I remember that. And then there were like homeless people sleeping on my, you know, when I walk out of my apartment, like mm -hmm. on the steps, you're crawling over homeless people. Get, I got spit on by a homeless man. I got chased by homeless people. It's like, I'm good. So when my client sold that plane, I thought, I'm gonna move back to St. Louis, see what happens. At that time, there was no industry here for flying. Really? Okay. Private. There was some planes here, but they generally didn't use flight attendants. So. I had a girlfriend who lived in New York City who was a flight attendant and she was on a airplane that was based, I think it might have been based in Hong Kong, but managed by a U.S. company. Okay. Okay. Now this is where the story gets interesting. It was managed by a U.S. company because this client did not want anyone speaking his native language 
on the plane. He wanted his crew to speak English. Mm -hmm. So everything that happened on the plane was like in Mandarin or whatever he said. It sounds like being in my family sometimes. Yeah. So (laughs) my husband and father-in-law are on the phone. I was like, they could be praising me or they could be saying something totally. (laughs) So my friend Cindy was working full time on this account and she asked me if I could pick up a trip for them. And she said, if he likes you, this could be really good. Okay. He likes me. Oh, so I went to, I flew to Alaska to do a trip from Alaska to Tokyo with this client and ended up that he liked me. And I ended up working for him for two years and you could, it was one of these clients, you could live anywhere in the world. So they would airline me to the airplane. So I would say I had the longest commute in the world. I would commute to Bangkok, pick up the airplane, fly it a couple of legs and then fly home. But they're paying for it. Yes. Oh, I mean, that sounds it was, like fun. It was a lot of fun. So here's where the plot thickens. So I knew this guy was shady, but I didn't really ask questions mm-hmm. at first because I didn't want to be A, intimidated by him. Right. You know, I just wanted to be normal. And I just didn't, I didn't want to know because this was the only job I had. For all my true crime fans out there, this is where the story gets interesting. So keep listening because there's a really big plot twist. So after about a year of working for him, I did Google him and it came up that he was a suspected arms dealer. I always wanted to meet him. You know, I was just kind of like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I need to work. So wow. I worked for him for another year until he went on the run. So now he's he disappeared. His plane got seized in Singapore. And I can't really say who he is, but if well, you yeah. Google the world's biggest financial scandal, you may or may not be able to figure out who he was. Wow. Okay, friends, we will post that Google link in the show notes. You know, I don't really talk about who I fly generally, but this guy, he's wanted by the FBI. Interpol, he's wanted by everybody. But I don't think they're going to find him through me, so I'm not really that worried. No, probably not. Although we have a bunch of true crime buffs in our... Oh, I love... I'm a true crime buff. I I love it. Oh my gosh. So much more to talk about. I know every You should join my true crime club. I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. We meet month. Oh my God. I would love to. That's so funny. But anyway, so then after that client went away, Mm -hmm. he fled Fled the authorities. So (laughs) they still don't know where he is. They still don't know where he is. Once that went away, people in St. Louis started using flight attendants. So my name started getting passed around. What type of industry uses a private? Um, A lot of uh, corporations. Okay. So um, major corporations, like let's say Coke. Monsanto. Based down. Yeah. Coke is based down in Atlanta. They have they have a couple airplanes. McDonald's. Uh, Monsanto or Bayer, I guess it is now. I work for corporations. Okay. Okay, cool. And it's a lot of fun. It sounds like fun. It sounds like you have two really fun, totally different different. lives that you lead simultaneously. What they say about aviation, it's a hard industry to break into being a corporate flight attendant. They say, you don't find aviation, aviation finds you. Like it literally just kind of unfolded in my life. And it was just... Because if you love it and you get the job and you're in it, you're not going to leave. No, no. <laughs> right? You're not it's really hard to leave. It's really hard to leave. Although I have to say, because we haven't flown much in the last year, mm-hmm. right? And it's been really kind of, it's been nice being home. Like I haven't been home this much and I've started this 17 years ago. So being at home every night is kind of like, I'm like, I kind of like this, but I still love my job. So. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I have the same feeling. I used to travel 50 to 75% when I was working and I loved going to hotels. Yeah. But now that I've been home so much, looking at those types of jobs again, I'm like, 
Yeah, especially when you have kids. Yeah, and now that I have kids. Although, as I mentioned in the previous episode, we're to say, we'll give you a dog. You have to go away for three weeks to sleep in a hotel room, eat out, and never pick up after anyone else. I might raise my hand. Yeah. (laughs) Say yes. Yep. Do you have any other stories where you just flew people a short distance or flew with people a short distance? Like, I know you can't say the name, but like any really famous people, any stories where the famous people were totally douchey. (laughs) I don't know. I have been really lucky that I've always flown amazing people. Oh, that's great. And that is not the norm. I mean, I know so many people who are just like, you know. In my head, I'm imagining the flight attendants who flew with Motley Crue. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And I have a friend who flew Tom Petty and and the Eagles. And those are hard gigs because you are just working your butt off. She said they were amazing and wonderful. It's like everybody finds their niche in whatever career you're in. Mm -hmm. My niche in LA was real estate people. Like I flew a lot of businessmen, real estate businessmen. I think there's a type of person who flies the kind of rowdier Mm -hmm. flights. Mine has always been kind of the more business people. I don't know why. Less maybe demanding, you know? Sometimes I think maybe I'm imagining this, but celebrity, they seem very demanding. Well, you deal with the assistant mostly, and you can tell how nice the celebrity is by how the assistant reacts to things going wrong. So for instance, I flew someone and a celebrity and I told her we didn't have a grinder for his special coffee. She almost started crying and shaking. Oh my like God. she was going to go have to go back to him and tell him there's no grinder on the plane. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she must be so mean. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, so stuff like that. So. I mean, if I were her, I'd just go buy one and like, have I, I you plug know, it in, I right? Know, like, just carry your own like, grinder, I'm so, lady. I'm like, but I have Starbucks already ground. She's like, oh, no, that's not going to do. I was like, <laughs> oh no, we Houston, oh, yes. we have a problem. I've been really lucky oh. with nice people. Even the businessman, the dodgy businessman mm-hmm. that I flew in Asia. He was, he was nice. He was nice. All right. As we're talking, I'm getting images in my head of the Kardashians in there. They don't have a flight attendant. They probably do. Oh, you think? Now, okay. if, they, if they own their own plane, I don't know if they just charter. There's, think of like a timeshare. When you, people say charter, it means you're you're renting someone else's jet. So a lot of celebrities, they don't have their own planes. They charter. If you're not going to use it all the time. If you're not going to use it all the time. Yeah. I worked charter for a while, which is, you know, you get a call and it's like, you know, you need to fly Mm -hmm. so-and-so to Vegas or whatever. And it's a one-time deal. You're never going to see these passengers again. The dispatch gives you their catering order. You Mm -hmm. give it to a caterer. It's very cut and dry. The kind of work that I've been doing is I work for owners. So it's kind of fun because you get to know what they like, Mm -hmm. what they don't like. It's like a more of a relationship with the family or whatever. That makes sense. I like that because it's more rewarding. stable too. More stable. Yeah. You know what they want. You can surprise them with fun things. And when you charter, it's just, you have no clue. Could be it very can be rowdy. Yeah. I didn't like charter. I didn't like it. I don't blame you. I just like the, the unknown. Am I going to get the biggest a-holes in the world yep. today or, you know, yep. a grandma and grandpa flying to a funeral? Yep. When I flew the Asian guy, I uh, did a trip for him where They'd positioned us in Bali. We were picking up the airplane in New Zealand and they were going to Bangkok. They positioned a crew in Bali to pick up halfway because it's too far to fly straight there. You have to refuel and you have to do a crew change. Okay. So I got there and they put us at the Ritz-Carlton, which was very, very nice. That is very nice. So I get there and after about five days, they're like, can you stay another week, Meg? They pushed the trip. So I ended up total staying about three weeks 
at the Ritz in Bali, sitting there by myself, which was great for about two weeks, and then I was going insane. Oh, you weren't making friends? I, I no, and I'll friends. tell you why. I'll tell you what, the Ritz in Bali is all honeymooners. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know, there was nobody to, you know, talk to. Yeah, so two weeks would have been a good relaxation. Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. After two weeks, I was just eating, because I, of course, I had to try every restaurant. Sure. You know, I, I think I gained about 10 pounds just being there. <laughs> First world problem. I did get a lot of Marriott points, though. Oh, I bet. I got a lot of points, which, you know, working in aviation, you become like a points junkie. Yes, even when I traveled just on business, I was like... Where can I get the most points? Who am I going to stick with? I'm like, I'm all the status every year. Yes. It's about the status. Yes, it's all about the yeah. status. Do you remember the movie um, Up in the Air? Up in the Air. Yep. Yes. Yep. I mean, I felt That's like it is. at a point in my life, like people with children and all the bags, take your shoes off already. Yeah. You know, and now I have children and I am one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no points. Oh, no points. It's okay. It's okay though. The trade-off is good. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you again for giving us a little insight into your life. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's Spotlight episode, part two, featuring Megan Kurt, international flight attendant and cabaret singer. Don't forget to check out our show notes to find more information on her upcoming show, August 28th in New York City. I also encourage everyone to follow us on Instagram, find us on Facebook at Two Monica's Podcast, and leave us a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts so others can find us. Today's music was provided by Kevin McLeod, Dance Macabre, Violin Hook, Guitar Hero by Alexander Nakarada, and Inspiration and Success by Raphael Crux. Sounds provided by Zapsplat and Mixkit. Until next time!